Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. Well, praise God. I'm glad to be back here. Had a great time yesterday at the Bible school here. That was actually, this is the fourth Bible school we did, and I was just counting it last night. I believe this is the, what did I say, the ninth time that I've been here? Something like that. Whatever. <laughs> but I'm here. Hallelujah. And I'm glad to be here. Uh, yeah, as, as Pastor Bob was sharing, we've been friends since Bible school because really we lived right across from one another. There was this little parking lot between us and my apartment and his were like kind of directly across from one another. So, and we did, you know, he used his faith to get to school in my faith mobile. And uh, thank God we made it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, and so we've been friends, and you know, of course, when he met his wonderful wife, lovely wife, and uh, you know, we've all been friends for many years now, and I always appreciate coming here, love them, and I'm so thankful to see what God's doing here, and I'm glad to be with you. And I do have something I want to share, you know, God's been talking to me about a few things that I think are going to fit you, in fact, there's some of it I know is really going to fit you, because that's what God said. Uh, but before we start, yeah, you can see I'm going to have my little update here because your church has been supporting me for I forget how many years. And even before that, uh, I think it was even before that, your pastors have been supporting me. So I want to give you a little bit of an update uh, and tell you about what you've been helping to support. So this is my little update. This first picture here, this is actually from one of the schools in the Netherlands that I was teaching at in, I believe it was in July. And uh, so I just want to give you a little update of things that have been happening. And on the next slide, <coughs> you can see uh, there's a picture of me. It says I've been there for 19 years now. That's pretty good. So moved over there in 1998 to work with uh, John and Michelle Grunwald and the work of Rhema Germany and Rhema Europe. And I've been doing it for, for 19 years. Jesus said there, you can see the, trying to get my thing going here. You can see the verse there from Matthew where he talks about going to all the world and teach. And that's what I do. I'm in all the world (laughs) teaching. I'm primarily in Germany and in Europe, but what I've been doing actually is going all over the world. And I'll explain some more about that later. But I'm really just fulfilling the Great Commission, and you're helping me. You're there with me because of your support. You may not have been physically present with me. This picture is also from the Netherlands. It was a, a church that I was teaching in there. You may not have ever been there physically, but you've been there because of your support with your finances and your prayers. You know, Paul talked about that in Philippians. He talked about people that were supporting him and the fruit that they were going to receive, the credit they would get to their heavenly account because they were helping him to do the work. And you guys have been helping me for many years, and I certainly appreciate it and want to say thank you. So now on the next slide, this talks about the classes that I've done just this year. And I think I had 10 of them listed up there. And you can read them all if you like. And there's other classes that I do besides this. But so far this year, these are the classes that I've taught. I've got another one coming up. When I get back to Germany, I'll be teaching in Cologne. And I'll also be going to Manchester, England, and then to Berlin, besides some other things I got lined up. And uh, these are just a sample of some of the classes that I've been going through. I haven't taught the Blood Covenant class yet this year in Germany and or in Europe anywhere. But uh, it'll be coming up soon. So it's just an example of some of the things I did, Bible history, Bible interpretation, charismatic perspective, which is actually the history of the Pentecostal church, how it came to be, and how we all got to where we are. 
Then I talk about end times, Holy Spirit, introduction to missions, which I know something about <laughs> since I do missions. <laughs> and then talk about world religions, New and Old Testament literature, and then the principles of learning and teaching and time management. So I cover a pretty big variety of classes. And there's about, um, about another half a dozen or so that I do besides this. So I have quite a few that I go through. The next one, you'll see a picture of some of the schools that I teach in. On the upper left is a picture of me from Cologne, and I think that was earlier this year. Well, these are all from this year, actually. And I, I send out a newsletter every month, and some people have said to me, why don't you have more pictures? Well, the reason is I don't have a staff photographer following me everywhere I go. And I don't have a wife to take all my pictures, so that kind of rules that out, too. So it's kind of hard for me to do a selfie with all the people you know, while I'm teaching. That doesn't work so good. So I, I try and get some other people to take pictures, and it doesn't always work so well, but these are the ones I got. So in Cologne, like I said, in the upper left, upper right, you see in Hamburg, up in the northern part of Germany, and then the southern part is the one in the middle, Ulm, Germany. And then there's two schools there at the bottom. You can see from, and this is actually how you say it, on the left is Groningen, and then on the right is Nieveheim, both in the Netherlands. doesn't really look like that, but that's actually how you say it. <laughs> And that's just a sample of some of the places that I've been. And all these people, the lives I've been touching, the people that I've been helping, and over and over again, students and people in churches, they come up to me and thank me for the teaching that I've been able to do there. And all of you, you're there with me because of your support. You might hear different things that are happening in Europe. We just had some elections in Germany. And, you know, they talk about the Brexit with the U.K. and stuff like this. But there's a lot of things you don't hear about on the news. And there's a lot of things that are going on that you're involved in because of your support. Now, in the next uh, little slide there, this is uh, the different schools that I've been at. So far this year, I've taught 16 different classes at least one time and uh, in eight different schools in four different nations. The little banner there you see on the left is actually from Norway. I was up in Norway in August in Bergen. I was teaching, uh, let's see, end times class up there. And then on Sunday, I taught in the church up in Bergen as well. And on the left, or sorry, on the right is the banner from the Netherlands, which is why those uh, words all look kind of funny. <clears throat> so I've been in Berlin, Cologne, Hamburg, Ulm in Germany, then Bergen in Norway, London in the UK, and then uh, Groningen and Nieveheim in the Netherlands. So those are the different schools that I've been to this year that you've helped me to go to. And on the next slide, I talk about I've had 17 services in seven different churches so far this year. And that's not counting the Friday night meetings that we do at our church that we call WordFest, which I teach there every so often. And on the upper left, <laughs> I just heard from these people this morning, on the upper left is a Filipino church that's there in Bonn, and I go there on a regular basis. Uh, I received some info from them this morning that they miss me, they want me to come back. I was just there a few weeks ago teaching in their church. On the upper right, <clears throat> excuse me, is a picture of me doing a seminar at a church in the Netherlands. That was about uh, four weeks ago that I did that. In the middle is a picture of me with these three other gentlemen. The guy in the middle in blue is Pastor Joseph. And to his, let's see, it would be to the right in this picture is a guy wearing a white shirt. That's Sergio, the youth pastor. And on the other side is Julius, who's the father of, of Sergio, and he's one of the leaders. These three guys are gypsies. And there's this gypsy church that's to the west of Bonn, and I've been there as well, teaching a few times, and I'm in contact with these guys <clears throat> these three are graduates from our Bible school, and uh, they're wanting me to come and help teach. Several other people from their church are in the school. Then on the bottom left, this is me teaching in what I talked about, this word fest. 
with our translator, Simona, who is very tall, <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> Wonderful girl, and uh, does a great job translating. We do most of the stuff in our church, English and German. It's all bilingual. A lot of the schools are bilingual, but not all of them. When I go, it has to be bilingual because I don't speak multiple languages. <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck. When I go to England, I don't have to be translated so much. It's a lot easier. <laughs> Anyways, on the bottom right, there's a picture of me and Pastor Kofi. And Pastor Kofi is from Togo in uh, Africa. <clears throat> Most of the people in his church are either from Togo or Nigeria, but they're all from African uh, nations. And I was saying before that you've been helping me within Germany, but also there's people like the Filipinos, like the Africans, and the different ones that are coming to our school that I'm helping to influence. And these people are taking the message and the things that I've been teaching them back to their home countries as well. So I'm involved in the ministry of Rhema within Europe, but also we are connected with Rhema in Africa and Rhema in the Middle East. So I'm actually reaching all those parts of the world, and you're helping me to do it. And we have the guy on the bottom there, Kofi, <clears throat> that I just mentioned, and the ones in the middle are, are graduates and students in the school. And what happens a lot of times, you get these different pastors that come to the school, they start really hearing the truth of the word, and they start getting really hungry. So they want to bring the truth that they've heard into their churches, which is why they invite me. Uh, like I say here up on the upper right, I was doing this seminar about the end times, and the guy there who was translating me named David, he's actually the founding pastor of the church there. And uh, they invited me to come and hold a two-day seminar to teach about some of this stuff. So that's my primary ministry. Now, on the next slide, you'll see some different things that I'm involved in. don't know how well you can see all of it. But on the upper left, there's a picture of us with the Rhema Europe and Africa directors at the meeting we had earlier this year. Every nation has somebody who's responsible to oversee what's happening there. We're not trying to control everybody and you know, tell them what they got to say or something like this. But you need to have some kind of structure to move forward and do the things you're supposed to do. Uh, <clears throat> this meeting we had after the Winter Bible Seminar in Tulsa was all of the people that are overseeing the schools within Europe and within Africa. And we had all these people get together so we could plan some strategy and how are things going, you know, what challenges are people facing, how can we work together. Right now we have within Europe, which is primarily where I'm at, we have 34 different schools in 13 different nations. The newest one, at least that I remember, because <laughs> there's stuff changing all the time, but we opened a school last year in Albania, which is, is pretty cool. And we've got, within Germany, we've got eight different schools operating. Within the UK and Ireland, they've got three different schools operating. And I've been to all of those, and then some of the other nations I go as I'm needed. So I'm involved with what's happening there, as I said, Europe, Africa, Middle East, because a lot of the materials that I produce, like uh, the classes we did yesterday on the Blood Covenant, I'm one of the main teachers for all the Rhema stuff, Europe, Africa, Middle East. So the notes that I put together, all the other teachers have to base their notes from that. So I've never been to any of the African schools. I've never been to, like, Egypt where they're teaching or some of the other places. But I've been there because of my notes. And the information that I produce is what people are using as the foundation to teach other people. So myself and all of you, we're going to, into all these different places. What they've been doing, they're also going into Lebanon right now. They're going to start a school in Dubai. There's a lot of things happening over there that you don't really hear much about. Brother Hagen's books have been translated into Arabic, and they're just selling like just crazy. It's amazing to see what God is doing. There's a couple that I'm acquainted with and I'm friends with, Matt and Julie Beamer. 
And uh, they've started, they started something in England, then they went to Nigeria, they started the school in Egypt, they're up in Lebanon right now, and they're up in the Middle East. And he actually made the comment that he believes Islam is going to be like communism, that eventually it's just going to fall apart, because so many Muslims are getting born again. I mean, it's amazing to see what God is doing. And so thank God we all have a part in that. Now on the upper right, um, this is a picture of us having one of these meetings over the internet, I'm in the top in the middle. And uh, this is all mainly Dutch people talking about developing Brother Hagen's books in Dutch. And I don't know Dutch, but I am actually involved in helping produce these books and the translation work. Part of that is because I'm one of the few Americans there who knows all the stories about Brother Hagen. I've read all his books. I've been to the Bible school. So with the Netherlands there, like you see the picture, and also in Germany, I actually help with book translation, which seems kind of funny. You know, Brother Hagen maybe, or Pastor Hagen, they use a phrase that doesn't make much sense. So then they'll come to me and say, okay, what does this mean, and how can you say it a different way? So I even get to help out with book translation. You know, Brother Hagen said this one time, he was, things were so bad, he, says I, he said, I wasn't at the bottom of the barrel. He said, I was under the barrel, and it was on top of me. And the translator came along and said, I don't know what in the world is he talking about. What do you mean you're at the bottom of the barrel? You know, how do you sit in the bottom of the barrel, or the barrel got on top of you? So I get to help with some of that stuff as well. <laughs> then on the bottom left is the blog I do. I have a little blog that I do every week. And you can just go on the Internet, Google my name, and you'll find my blog. And I put something up there every week, mainly about teaching things. And then the newest thing that I've done, which I'm happy to finally get done, since it's been on my heart for several years, is that I'm now producing some books. And I've got one here. My plan was to have a whole bunch so you could buy them for $50,000 a piece. No, kidding. <laughs> No, but actually my book, uh, I've just put this together. What I do is I like to put things on, on Facebook or I like to put them on Twitter, and I decide to put together a collection of these things, and I call it Words of Wisdom and Inspiration. And you can have one. You can go on to Amazon today and order one. It's a, it's a company that works. It's print-on-demand, so you can order it, and I'm not sure how fast they get it to you because I just finished this on, uh, on Friday, actually. This has finally got into production on Friday. This copy I've got here, you can see in the back, they send you one to check. It's the proof copy, so I can't give you this. But if you're interested, you can come up and look at it and look through it. And I just have different things in here, like, uh, let me see one of these here. Now, here's one I've got. It says, if you can't swim, you can't help someone who's drowning. Too many Christians don't really know much about the Bible, and as a result, their lives are, are a mess. In this condition, those Christians are not really going to be much help to anyone. Learn to swim, and God will be able to use you to help others. So I just have a bunch of little stuff like that, some longer, some shorter, and uh, just put it together to help people and, and encourage them. Another one, the love of God and unconditional acceptance are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyways. So with that, if you're interested, like I say, you can go ahead and get that on Amazon. There's some other things that I'm going to be putting together in the future, but this is just the start. So if you're interested, like I say, you can come and look at it or you can go buy one. And it's on Amazon all over the world. So if you've got friends over in, you know, the U.K. or Germany or whatever, tell them Jim put together a wonderful book, and they should buy it right now. <laughs> now, but like I said, it's $6.95. You can go ahead and get a copy of that. Also, if you're interested in what I'm doing, right now um, my U.S. address and some other things are changing, so I don't have any brochures or things like that available. But if you'd like to get my newsletter, you can get it for free. I won't charge you money. You can get it, hear about what's happening over there, what God is doing through me and some other people. If you just want to give me your email address, that's fine. You know, I can send it to your postal address. Maybe you really have it in your heart. You want to help support me financially. You can do that too. Just talk to me later. Give me your info, and I'll send you whatever. 
I believe that God has called me to teach. He's put a gift within me to teach the Word. And part of what I believe God wants me to do is help people have a greater awareness of the need within Europe, especially, for the teaching of the Word. To be generous about it would be to say that there's about 4% of the Europeans who are born again. But that's not even really true. It's a very low number of people in Europe who are actually born again and attend a good church. We're working on also helping to plant churches and things like that. In fact, on the next slide, we're just about done here. Then I'll get into some words, so don't be nervous. I'm tired of this PowerPoint. No, don't be tired. It's all good. On the top there, on the left, is a picture of a conference we had in Norway a couple years ago. And on the top right is a picture of this prayer conference that I attended two weeks ago in London. The one on the left, I don't know if I said was Norway. The one on the right was Europe. And we're wanting to do more bigger meetings like this to get people connected, to get them involved. I'm a part of Rama, but we understand Rama is not the only one doing anything. There's a lot of other good groups out there. And our goal is to work together and connect with everybody that we can to continue moving forward with the plan of God and get people saved and bring them into the knowledge of the truth, as Paul said. In the middle, you see this couple. That's John and Michelle Grunwald that I work with. They helped to start the work of Raymond Germany. They've relocated to London, and they're doing some other stuff there. They are the heads over all the Raymond work in Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. And I've been working with them for the past 19 years, and I'm going to continue to do that. On the lower left, you see a picture of us again from another one of these directors' meetings. I'm connected with all these different people, been to several of the schools, and uh, you know, just working with some of that. And then on the bottom right, that's my office. And you can see on the, yeah, on the one side of the picture, there's all these shelves with books. One of the things I do in the office is that I help to coordinate all the books that we need for Germany and in the Netherlands. Whenever we have classes, there's books that are associated with most of those, and I'm the person in charge of putting it all together and making sure they get the right number. So I don't just teach and preach. I do a lot of other things. Up till this last year, uh, 2016, I had been involved working with the children's ministry, but I travel so much now, it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, because I'm not always there. <laughs> because I get out and I'm going different places, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not, that, that season of my life in the church there in Germany has ended, I guess. I'm still involved working in the church as much as I can. Like I say, you see me in the office there, and I'm helping to work in the office, but I do travel quite a bit. Normally, I'm gone from my home. I'm gone at least three or four months every year, traveling around and going to different places. I was just adding up last night. So far, I've taken 20 flights this year. That's really exciting. And I think most of them have been delayed. I had one canceled flight this year from England, so I had to go home the next day, and that was really exciting. But, um, you know, take trips with the train. Sometimes I drive my car. Last year, I ended up with about uh, uh, just within Europe, I had about 13,000 miles that I traveled within Europe last year, and I'm basically going to get that same number again this year. So you can say, thank God you don't have to do it. You can pay me to do it. <laughs> like, pay you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody has a different place and a different purpose and things that we can do, and not everybody's going to go. But it is good for all of us to be involved in whatever God is doing that we can be involved in. Supporting our local church, supporting other people as they come and you know, minister to you or also uh, people that are missionaries. You know, there's other people that I support that are in places that I'm not because I want to have as much reward as I can when I go to be with Jesus. 
talks about we're going to go to what they call the judgment seat of Christ, which is really about the rewards that we get for our earthly work, and I want to get a lot of rewards. I'm kind of greedy that way. Anyways, and the last slide, it sums it all up, and I just want to thank, say thank you because you're helping to make it all happen. Without people like you, I couldn't do what I'm doing. I do have a visa that I can live in Germany forever if I want to. Technically, I could work there, you know, as far as like getting a job doing something, but I already have a job. I keep plenty busy, believe me. <laughs> yeah, but again, I want to say thank you to all of you and to your pastors, of course, for the support that you've been to me. I really do enjoy coming here and seeing all of you. You're a great church. You're easy to teach, and that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, so I just want to thank you for all that stuff. But I do have something else to share with you today, some things from the Word. I had a couple of different ideas of what I was going to do, and uh, finally God kind of helped me to get it straightened out. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> God is so good. You know, Yesterday, when we were in the, in the uh, Bible school, we, we learned that Leviticus is probably your favorite book of the Bible. Your second favorite is the one we're going to look at this morning, and that's First Chronicles. I know people love to read First Chronicles because it gives a list of all the people in Israel and who was related to who and how many of them there were, and that's just so exciting. But if you would turn to First Chronicles chapter 11, there's something I want to share with you that kind of connects with what I was talking about yesterday. And all of us have a life of some type. Whether you think your life is wonderful or miserable, all of us have some kind of a life, right? If you don't have a life, you're not here, you're dead. <laughs> okay. So no matter what quality of life you think you have, you still have some kind of a life. And in our life, we will all face challenges and difficulties. That's, that's a given. You can't escape that. You know, I went with your pastors yesterday up to, uh, up to see the Mar- Martins. Were they Martins? I meet a lot of people, so I sometimes forget who I'm talking to or about. But anyways, great people, and I think I'd actually met them before. And we were talking about some of this stuff. You know, of course, as you heard, he was injured and things like this. You can't stop like, stuff like that from happening. Whether you, you, you know, it doesn't have to be as severe as breaking your back, but something's going to happen. You know, whether you're dealing with physical challenges or financial or you've got questions and problems you need answers to, something's going to happen. And we've got to know what to do in those situations. Now, I thank God for the two elements that, that we all have, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, that can help us in every one of these situations. And we were talking yesterday about the covenant relationship that we have with God. And it's important for us to know about that and understand that, to know what belongs to us and who we are in Christ so that we can move forward in the plan of God. We may not be called to be pastors or missionaries or teachers or whatever, but all of us do have a plan from God for our lives. I like the story of uh, someone, and I don't give their name, but it's not like a bad story, but there was a lady who had four, four kids. She had four boys, like my family, but it's not my family. <laughs> and uh, you keep looking for First Chronicles 11, and we'll get there eventually. But so this lady, she's got four little boys at home and she's talking to the Lord. Her husband owns a business and he's busy. And and she says, you know, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do your will. I want to follow your plan in my life. But I've got four little kids. I can't go like be a missionary. You know, I can't pastor a church or something. How can I serve you where I'm at? And that's the key thing because where we are is where we are. That's your first revelation for the day. Where we are is where we are. How do I get these things? I don't know. But no matter where you are today, there's something God can use you to do. We often will look at ourselves and say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. 
But that's not the issue. What can you do? What do you have? Wherever you are in life, whatever position you, you are, whatever kind of life you have, God can use you where you are. There's something in you that God can use to reach another person, to help somebody else, to build up your church. There's something you have today. There's something that you are today that God wants to use. We sometimes look at ourselves and think, well, I'm kind of an oddball. At least that's what I think. You know, I'm a little bit different. But no matter what kind of personality you have, if it's the wrong personality, God will help you to change it. My personality was to avoid people. I mentioned yesterday, I used to live, and I come from the state of Wisconsin, and I used to live way up north, way up north, where there's a lot of trees and a lot of cows, but not many people, and I was happy. I liked cows and trees better than people. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Well, God had a better plan. He sent me to one of the most congested parts of the world. Hallelujah. There's people everywhere. They're everywhere. All the time, everywhere, there's people, people, people. But no matter who we are or where we are, God wants to use us and he can use us. And the thing is, that, as I was mentioning this yesterday, the Christian life is not a struggle trying to get to some place, trying to gain some things. The Christian life is understanding who we are in Christ and what belongs to us and maintaining that position. That's what God wants us to do. And too many Christians, they're trying to live like they're in the Old Testament, still trying to work and earn all the things that they believe they're supposed to have. But through Jesus Christ, God has provided all these things already. And the thing is, we have to take our stand. We talked about some of this yesterday, and you know there were, there were a couple different things that God was speaking to me about, and I thought, I'm not sure how this is all going to fit together. You know, I was talking with Pastor Sibele this morning, and I said, you know, and, and even with Pastor Bob, how I had these different ideas, but I thought, how is it going to fit together? And sometimes we're all like that. We look at the different things in our life, and we think, Lord, how is this stuff going to work? How am I going to make these things happen? I've got ideas and dreams in my heart, but I don't know how it's going to ever come to pass. I can't see how what you've told me in your word is going to work in my life. Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for a loving Heavenly Father who wants the best for us and wants to direct us into his plan and path. Now, we mentioned this guy yesterday, the son of Dodo. You know about the son of Dodo? You know, I Dodo no, no. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, and when I mentioned this yesterday, something kind of was stirring inside of me, and I thought of this other story. In 2 Samuel, you stay in 1 Chronicles. But in 2 Samuel 23, it talks about these mighty men of David. And here in 1 Chronicles 11, it tells the same thing about these guys, but there's a little twist to the story here that I think is something we need to hear about. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, and uh, we'll start here in verse 12. And this is our buddy here. First Chronicles 11, verse 12. It says, After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. What a great name, right? <laughs> the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighty men. So this guy, there were 30 of these mighty men. This was one of the top guys. So this guy, the son of a Dodo, which is a great name to carry around. What's your name? I'm the son of a Dodo. And I like this story. And I always point it out when I do the Blood Covenant class because it doesn't matter where you start. When I was in high school, and even a little bit after, I used to do what we call uh, like road racing, running and things like this. And everybody started out in the same place. I never saw people at the starting line crying. Man, this is such a bad place to start. I hate it here. You know, in track and field, sometimes we'd start us in different lanes for the running events. Nobody cried at the beginning. Now, some people cried at the end because they didn't win. 
Some people were disappointed at the end because they didn't achieve their goal, but nobody has to cry at the start because you don't have to stay there. No matter where you started, you may be the son of a dodo. You may come from Dodoville. I don't care. (laughs) But you don't have to stay there. God has a great plan for you. No matter where you started, no matter what failures and mistakes you ever made, no matter what problems you've experienced in the past, God has a bright future for you. Amen? Amen? Sometimes the first step is actually believing that's possible. And it is. For all of us. Even if you're a dodo. (laughs) All right, let's read about this dude. Like I said, I don't want to make fun of him too much because I'm sure he's going to confront me in heaven. And he's probably a big old guy who said, now look here. (laughs) Anyway, let's go on. This is the difference. We read about this guy yesterday and what he did. But here in verse 13, it says he was with David. This is talking about King David. He was with David at Pasdinimum, something like that. Now there the Philistines were gathered for battle, and there was a piece of ground full of barley. So the people fled from the Philistines. But they stationed themselves in the middle of that field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Now there's a situation where here's King David, here's Eleazar, the son of Dodo, and all these people, and here come the Philistines. Here comes the enemy. So what happens? This is like a lot of people today. The first sign of trouble, the first problem, people start running away. Hmm? When you learn about who you are in Christ, when you learn about what belongs to you, when you get a hold of healing, you know, when we were praying for you today, the Lord was talking to me about something with you that I'm actually going to say here because I didn't want to say it before. Because we sometimes get so hung up in the timing, so hung up in in how things look or how we feel that we start moving away from our field of barley, our field of beans. You know, you've heard about Kevin Costner, the field of dreams. This is the field of beans. And it may seem insignificant, but any territory the devil wants to take is territory you don't let him have. Hmm? And sometimes, like when you're believing for healing, when I've been believing for healing, you take a stand and it doesn't look like anything's changing. You take a stand and it almost looks like things are getting worse. Because here comes the enemy. You're standing in a field that's insignificant because it's just a bunch of barley. Who cares? Everybody else just ran away. There's like, this is not worth it. This is not a battle I want to fight. I'll give up on this. I'll just live with this. I'll just put up with this. I'll just tolerate this. That's what a lot of people are doing. That's what a lot of Christians are doing. Hmm? When the time comes to stand, most Christians even today, they'll run away. And they won't keep standing. And like when we were praying for you today, you know, what I could see is you taking your stand and you just keep on standing. You don't quit. You don't give up. Even if it looks like you're just standing and you're not moving forward. (laughs) You just keep standing. Because when the time comes for you to take another step to do something different, he'll tell you. Don't be discouraged and frustrated because it seems like you're only standing. Even if, like in this story, everything looks like it's going against you, you keep on standing. But what I like here, the thing that God wanted me to bring out for all of you today about this, was the fact that it was David was standing there with him. And I like to look at it this way. This is my interpretation of it. So there's King David. Everybody's running away. And this guy, I believe he said, you know what? If this field is important to my king, it's important to me. He wouldn't run away. You read about in 2 Samuel 23. It just talks about this guy being there. But here we see David was there. And this is something I really like. And this is something that's missing in the body of Christ today. Allegiance to our leader. 
Now, I'm not talking about just blindly following somebody and being mistreated and being abused because that's what people typically start thinking about. I'm talking about godly men and women like pastors, like spiritual leaders that we all have that God will connect us with when they take a stand or they encourage us to take a stand. That's where we take a stand. It may look like just an old field of barley. It may look like something insignificant, but when our leaders are taking a stand, we need to take a stand with them, even though everybody else runs away. I'm very concerned about how little people want to follow their leaders today, and I'm very concerned about the lack of commitment in the body of Christ. People are so flaky today. It's like Brother Hagin said years ago. He said, too many people, their backbone is like a spaghetti noodle. The first thing that comes, ah, ah. That's what was happening in that story. The first sign of trouble, everybody runs away. And I'm sure they're thinking, it's only a field of barley. Who cares? The king cared. He wasn't running away. And if our leaders are taking a stand on something or with something, then we need to take a stand with them. And I showed the picture of me standing there teaching in what we call WordFest. And when my pastor, he announced it. He said, we're going to start these meetings on Friday night. We're going to have the first session for about an hour. We're going to teach. And he said, we're just going to do Bible teaching. Then what we're going to do is have another hour for either prayer school or healing school. And I went to him after the service. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I want you to know I'm going to be there. If you need help setting up, if you need help doing whatever, I'm going to be there for you. Because I believe in what he's doing. (laughs) And this is the way we've got to get with our leaders. That if they're taking a step, we step right with them. If they're taking a stand, we take a stand with them. If our pastors have something like, you know, if there's somebody you need healing, you come up, and somebody, and you come up, and the pastor, the leaders are praying for you, you can take a stand on that. You can take that to the bank. Because that's, that's not just going to happen. When, when our leaders are taking a step on the Word of God, following the direction of the Holy Spirit, we need to go with them. Now, our pastor, he's a great guy. You would all love him. He's funny. He's a great teacher. <laughs> and he was one of my students in Bible school. I've been a Christian as long as he's been alive. And I told him, I said, I'm not looking for opportunities to teach on Friday night, even though he's asked me to teach several times. But I told him, I said, if this is something important to you, if this is something you think you ought to be doing, I want to help you to do it. Now, here's the sad story about that whole thing. We've been doing this word fest for a couple of years now, Awesome teaching, great teaching. (laughs) But we don't get a lot of people that show up. A lot of it is some of us who work in the office and the leadership people, but there's other church people, they never show up. And I've said to the pastor, Pastor Alex, I've said, you know, I believe there's people in our church over in Germany, there's people that need to hear what he's saying and they're not there. Something has come along and pushed them away from taking the stand they need to take to being in the place they need to be to hear the truth from the word so they can stand. And then they'll call up the officer to come to you in church. Oh, can you help me? Can you pray for me? And here's what I'm thinking. Where were you on Friday night? Huh? Where were you when the opportunity was there for you to be taught the word? You know, go over to Colossians chapter 3. Now, the way, we, the way we do Bible school in Europe is uh, most of the places do it, most nations do it like this now, where we do four hours on Friday night, and then we do eight hours on Saturday. Now, in London, they do 12 hours on Saturday of Bible school. 
because transportation into and out of the main part of London is pretty crazy. You know, I was just on the tube a few weeks ago. How cool. Mind the gap, they say. Mind the gap. So I minded the gap. They mean the space between the train and the platform. (laughs) But, so I could stand up here. I could teach for 12 hours, but I'm not going to. Don't let that fear creep in. Take a stand. (laughs) Take a stand. The pastor would not invite somebody who would just go on for 12 hours. Hallelujah. (laughs) No, I wouldn't do that to you. Maybe. No, I wouldn't. But, but go over to Colossians chapter 3. There's something else we want to look at here because there's two elements that we need, and I've mentioned them before, but there's these two things we need so we can take a stand because I guarantee you, no matter what kind of life you have, whether you think it's wonderful or terrible, the devil is going to fight you. He's going to come at you, as they used to say, tooth and toenail. You ever heard that one? Maybe not. <laughs> but... No, no matter what kind of life you have, as soon as you take a stand, I guarantee you find out the truth of the word. You find out what belongs to you in Christ. You start learning about the gift and calling that he's put inside of you. The devil's going to come at you. Now, Jesus already defeated him, praise God. But it's like I say, John chapter 16, verse 33 is the least favorite promise in the Bible. You know why? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Thank you, Jesus. I receive that. Hallelujah. No, that's what nobody likes. But the rest of the verse, he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We do have an adversary. We do have an enemy who's trying to hinder us from moving forward in the will of God. Just like Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been attacked by a gate. (laughs) You know, officer, I was just walking down the street and this gate jumped out and hit me. No, but the devil will try to put up barriers and things to stop us from moving forward in the plan of God. He'll try to fence off areas and say, this is my territory, you can't have it. He'll try to push us away from things with circumstances or situations. You know, the big one now is everybody gets offended about everything. Oh, Lord. Everything offends everybody. Oh, Lord, yeah, help us, Jesus, amen. (laughs) We'll cast up, no, we won't cast anything out because that's something you got to deal with. You know, I like to say this, I'm offended by all the people who get offended. (laughs) But everybody's upset about something. And if you're allowing something to offend you or bother you or, you know, somebody called you a name or they did something bad, you know, they, you know, they put a, you know, maybe you're not like me and you already got a mustache. They put a mustache on your picture on Facebook and you're all upset or whatever. Just forget it because it's really just the devil trying to find a way to push you off where you belong. Because that's the thing. We're not trying to fight to get to someplace. It's a fight for us to stay in our place and then continue moving forward. And there's some barriers the devil has put up for years, and he said, you can't have this. This is my territory. And we're going to say, no, it's not your territory. Just like God told Joshua, everywhere the, foot of, everywhere the sole of your foot treads, that's your place. We need to find out what God wants us to take hold of. How are we going to do that? Well, the first thing we do is we find in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, 16, I really like this verse. <laughs> It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, that means you need to know the word of Christ, isn't it? You need to know what the word of God says. 1 Peter 2, 2, he said, you need to desire the word so you can grow. Thank God for great praise and worship. We had great praise and worship today. I think it's awesome. Thank God for prayer. Thank God for friends. But you know what's really going to help you to grow is the Word of God. 
And you need to allow it, let it dwell in you richly. Like he says in James, James chapter 121, he said, receive the word with meekness. We've got to come to God's word with the right attitude that we're willing to receive it and hold on to it no matter what we hear. Because sometimes, like Jesus said, you don't know the truth, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free, but it doesn't always make you happy. Because sometimes it says things like walk in love. Sometimes it says give and it will be given. And you're like, I don't want to give. I don't want to love. I don't want to do this stuff. You know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. <laughs> you know, don't cast away your confidence. Take a stand in faith. You know, you, you, need, you need patience so that after you've done the will of God, you can receive the promise. Well, patience isn't a lot of fun, right? Walking in love isn't always a lot of fun, but it's still the truth. And we've got to receive what the truth of the word is, and then that will help us to take a stand in the issues of life that we deal with, whether it's healing, whether it's financial situations, whether it's wisdom and direction from God about what to do, whether it's the answers to the problems we have within our families or with our job. You know, a guy came to me one time, and uh, th- this makes me think of uh, Luke, chapter, um, Luke chapter 12, where Jesus said, you know, you'll be called to the magistrates in the synagogues. He said, don't worry ahead of time what you have to say, because the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. And this guy came to me at our church, and he said, you know, I've got a meeting with my boss on, I think it was Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. And he said, I'm afraid they're going to try and fire me. They don't like me because I'm a Christian. And right away, I thought of this verse in Luke chapter 12. And I showed him the verse, and I said, here's the thing. God will give you the words you need to say when the time comes. And you can be confident that God is going to help you. And I shared some verses and things like that. And he said, oh, thank you, and blah, blah, blah. Now, if I don't know that word is in there, I can't share that with that guy. I can't give him something he can take a stand on in his issues in time of trouble. This is why we've got to know the word. Because how are you going to share something you don't even know? Like the little thing I read out of my book. You know, if, if you don't know how to swim, you can't help somebody who's drowning. If you don't know what the word is, you can't share it with other people. Oh, you can jump around and scream and wave your arms and, you know, do the, do the hoochie-coochie and, you know, make everybody feel good, but nothing's going to change. I've been in churches like that. The Bible does talk about laying hands on the sick and they'll recover, things like this, but some churches, they think laying hands on everybody just solves everything. I was at a service one time. They wanted to lay hands on people to renew their minds. I thought, I wish that worked. I'd lay my hands on myself every day. Oh, Lord, help me. Renew my mind right now. No, it doesn't work like that. We've got to receive the word so we've got a reservoir of the word within us so that we can draw it out whenever we need it and the Holy Spirit will be able to draw it out whenever he needs it. If we look at one more verse here in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, we see a parallel to what we see in Colossians chapter 3. And actually, the books of Colossians and Ephesians, they fit really well together. Some people have said they're twin epistles, sister epistles, something like this, because they parallel each other so much. Now, in Colossians 3, it tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, all these great things. In Ephesians chapter 5, we see something very similar, but a little bit different. Ephesians 5 and verse 18 it tells us, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now in Colossians it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Here he talks about be 
Literally, it says, be being filled. It's a continuous experience. Be being filled with the Spirit, and the results are going to be the same. Now, we know there's a connection between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And we've got to keep ourselves full of both of them. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time talking to God. Because God is, is working in us to prepare us for the things that are coming and preparing us and helping us to take a stand in the issues that we're dealing with today. But if we don't have a strong foundation in the Word, if we don't know the Holy Spirit, if we don't have that connection with Him like we should, we're going to fall apart. We'll be like everybody else in the story who ran away, not like David and Eleazar who took a stand. And it said because of those two guys, God won a great victory. And today, God is looking for men and women who are willing to take a stand. You know, in Daniel, it says, those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And I start thinking, well, then how many, how many people in churches don't know God because I don't see people being strong and doing great exploits for God today? <laughs> huh? We're supposed to do great things. God never called anyone to be average. God never called anyone to fail. God never called anyone to take some ground in his name and then to run away when it got bad. But most people, as soon as things get tough, oh, you want to schedule me to help in this team? Well, I don't want to be on a schedule because I just want to show up whenever I show up and then I can help. Well, what is that? (laughs) It's true. I mean, people like, I go to a lot of different churches. I've been so far, I've been to 36 different churches that I've taught in. You know, I've been to 19 different Bible schools in different nations, you know, for the past 19 years. And we're different kinds of people. You know, the, the, the Americans and the Germans and the Brits don't all think exactly the same. But in a lot of ways, we are all the same, <laughs> you know. And, and it's really sad. Like I said, it's really sad for me to see how little commitment people have today. Everybody just kind of wants to do their own thing. And then they blame it all on the Holy Spirit. Well, pastor, I was just led. I couldn't, I couldn't come to church because I, I was in the flow with the Holy Spirit. Woo! And I couldn't be there. Well, that is, that's not the Holy Spirit you're flowing with. That's your kind of stinky flesh. Well, I, can't, I was talking to somebody one time. And uh, I said, you know, are you coming to Bible school? Not here, but over there in Europe. And you come to Bible school? Well, you know, I can't go because that's the day I do my laundry. Really? Seriously? There's one day in the week, that's the holy day for the laundry. That's the only day you can do it. And that's the only time you can do it. You can't come to this special meeting because you have to do your laundry. Well, I may be different, but I'd rather wear dirty clothes and go hear the word and get connected with the Holy Spirit than to wash my clothes. I'd rather be stinky and spiritual. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> You know, we've got, to be, we've got to be like the story we're just reading there, First Chronicles, that no matter what comes against us, we take a stand, especially if our leaders are taking a stand. Because there are some things going on here. I, I can't tell you specifically because I don't know, but I know. <laughs> there's things going on here, and there's things that will be happening where your pastors are going to say, this is what we got to do. And they need somebody to stand with them. Hallelujah. Now, thank God, God can win by few or by many. He can win a victory even if there's only one person taking a stand in faith. But how much better is it when you've got a whole group standing in faith? What a great story it would be if instead of this guy here being one of the three mighty men of the 30, there was a hundred mighty men because a hundred of these guys took their stand and said, I'm standing with you, David. I'm not moving. I'll, with, I'll be with you. I'll help you. 
<laughs> we talked about that yesterday, and I mentioned this at the Bible school. And again, I've been a lot of places. I've talked to a lot of people. And over and over again, people say, I'm with you. I'm committed. I'll help you. As soon as they say that, it's the kiss of death. Those people, <laughs> they'll never show up again. I don't know why it is, but it's true. And we all have dreams and things that we want God to do in our lives. But how are we going to do these things if we're never committed to follow through with what God gives us to do? How will we ever succeed if we won't take a stand in faith on the things we know he's telling us right from the word? Because if you can't take a stand on these things that we find in the written word, then when the Holy Spirit starts leading you into something, how are you even going to know it's him? Hmm? How are you even going to recognize his voice in here if you don't even know it in here? We need the word. We need the spirit. We need them both. And as we fill ourselves with these things, it'll be easier for us to take a stand in faith. It'll be easier, easier for us to, take a, to, to walk in faith and follow God in his direction. I'm telling you, for 19 years in Germany, if you think that's the easiest thing you can ever do, you ought to try it. <laughs> you go live in another nation for 19 years and tell people I'm wonderful, send me money so I can do it. And you see what happens. <laughs> now, I'm not complaining. You know, and if you don't want to give me money, you keep your money, that's fine. Because God will supply everything that I need. I've seen times where it looked like it's impossible. I've seen situations where I thought, I don't have a clue how this is going to happen. When God, you know, this thing I just started with books, because there's others I'm going to write. When God first started talking to me about that, I thought, how am I supposed to do that? Who am I? You know, I'm not uh, Ernest Hemingway or whoever, whatever author you might like. Ernest Hemingway, the old man in the sea. <laughs> no. But there's times God will challenge us over and over again. Here's what I've seen. I get to a place where I'm like, all right, I'm standing firm. Everything's great. And then something happens. You know, whether it's like Pastor Greg, you know, where he has this accident or some sickness tries to attack us or some problem arises in our life or we've got questions we don't know the answers to. Over and over again, we'll be challenged in our life. And over and over again, we're going to have to take a stand. But if we don't know the word and we're not following the Holy Spirit, we're going to fail. We've got to get strong and be like Brother Hagin where he said, we need a steel rod for a backbone, not a spaghetti noodle. So no no matter what comes, no matter what other people say, no matter who might or might not stand with us, we keep standing because we know the truth and we know that God is on our side. So there's things I'm sure that are going on in everybody's life today. There, there's questions, there's concerns, there's things happening. And the best thing you can do <laughs> is get to know God through his word. Get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. I was talking to some people recently, and I was saying, well, I was praying, and this is what God told me, and this is what God told me. And they kind of looked at me like, what? They said, he was just telling you stuff. I said, yeah, he talks to me all the time. He was talking to me during praise and worship. Like, well, how do you hear him? Well, <laughs> the same way I hear him through the word. I've gotten to know his voice through the word. He'll remind me of the word over and over and over again. But I've gone, not trying to be arrogant or something, but I've gone beyond him just reminding me of Bible verses, which he still does. But he'll talk to me about things. The Bible says he will. But I've learned to recognize his voice speaking to me here in the word, and it's easy to recognize him now in here. And it's not like I'm you know, hearing voices or seeing clouds or who knows what. <laughs> But this is the kind of life that God wants us to live, where we're taking a stand on the word, and as we take our stand and we need to make another step maybe, or we need to be assured that we're in the right place, God will speak to us. He'll tell us what to do. Yeah. 
over and over again. You know, I was just considering, I, I had an idea what I was going to talk about before I came here even this weekend, and just kind of checking in my heart, and it's like, nope, that's not it, that's not it. Well, then God gave me another idea, and I'm like, okay, well, then I'll throw out this idea. Then last night, it's like, no, both of these ideas somehow. Then I woke up this morning, now I got a third idea, and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to make that fit? Well, he just did. <laughs> I couldn't have figured it out in my little brain, but through the word and by the Holy Spirit, he helped direct me into what I needed to do. And the temptation, in my situation, the temptation is to draw back and be afraid and think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Why don't I just say some really simple little things that are safe? But God didn't call us to play it safe. God didn't call us to live a cautious life. God called us to go beyond our natural boundaries and to do great things for Him. And you might think, when God called me into into what we call full-time ministry and then missions, I thought He picked the wrong guy. I thought he made a mistake. You know, he's shooting down, you know, messages from heaven and he hit me by accident. I'm thinking, what, are you kidding me? When God first started speaking to me, I was afraid to tell my friends. I thought they'd laugh at me. I thought they'd say, like, are you kidding? Not you. You? No. Go sit in the back and clean, clean the toilet or something. I don't know. <laughs> but if you're cleaning the toilet or cleaning the baby's butt or whatever, <laughs> whatever you're doing for God is good and important. And if you will be faithful doing what God called you to do or what you find in your hand to do, it may not even be what you want to do, but if you will be faithful doing it, God will promote you. He will bless you. And sometimes we have a problem standing in our life in the situations we face because we've never been faithful in anything and we don't know how to take a stand. You know, you can help with the trunk or treat. You can help with the whatever here. I don't even know what you guys are doing all. But whatever opportunity you have, take advantage of it. Be faithful. Be committed to it because that will help you in something else. Because everything we do for God is connected. It's not all these individual little compartments. And if you're not doing the right things in one area, it's going to affect other areas. So my word of encouragement today is take a stand. Don't back up no matter what the devil tries to do. Get to know the word. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Allow him to give you the direction that you need and to help you to take that firm stand in faith that you have to have because God's plan is always victory. And no matter how dark it might look now, no matter how negative things might seem to you at this point, God wants to help you to take a stand. He wants to help bring you into a place of victory. And I know, I know there's been times in my life and I've looked at it and I thought, I have no clue how this is going to work. I have no idea how God's going to bring me through this. But he always has. And he always will. And I'm convinced. You could beat me with a baseball bat and I'd never turn away from it because I know what the truth is. And the truth is in the word. And the truth helps us to take a stand. The truth will help to set us free. And the truth will help us to walk in victory. Amen? So let me pray for you as we finish up. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunities and the, and, and the things, the situations you bring us into in life that you are going to help us to take a stand where we need to take a stand. You are going to help us to do the things we need to do. You will give us the wisdom and understanding that is necessary for us to move forward, to take a stand, and to do those things you've called us to do. And for the different issues and needs that might be represented here today, Father, we speak supply and, and provision in every situation, that you give the wisdom necessary, that you bring the financial and material things that are necessary, that you give the health and strength that is necessary. We thank you, Father, that you are leading us in triumph continually because we are in Christ. 
We thank you for the covenant that we belong in today because of Jesus and because of his blood. And we thank you that your will for us is victory and that we never back away from it. We never run away from it, but we take our stand and we continue to walk by faith, not by sight, to do your will and to walk on in victory. We thank you for it. We do pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. That was good. Come on, give Jim a big hand this morning. You know, at the beginning, we saw the presentation of what he does and where he goes, where we can't go. And all our financial gifts go to those places, and we actually become a part of his ministry and a part of reaping the reward of what he does because we support him. So we need to take a big offering, not just a little offering, a big offering today. And let's just, let's just bless his socks off. Are you guys with me? You know, every time we take an offering, Sabila and I, we give offerings too. We, we're not going to ask you to do what we don't do. We've no, I don't think we've ever done that in 15 years. We don't ever ask you to do what we don't do. Amen? Are you ready? If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand up. You can always also give on push pay underneath guest speaker. And everything that comes in today or yesterday... Uh, underneath guest speaker will go towards Jim. When we take an offering, we don't hold things back for administrative reasons. We give him everything. So if we give $1,500, we're not giving him $1,300 and taking $200 for credit card fees or anything like that. We give him the whole thing, okay? So 100% of your seed will go towards his ministry this morning. Amen. We also support him as a church on a monthly basis. And Sibylle and I and our family, the Trombi family, supports him on an individual basis as a family. So if you want to do that, you can uh, ask him how to do that as well. We don't, we don't do a lot of that in our church. We don't have a lot of guest speakers um, and ask you to give to every single ministry that comes. We don't do that because we know there's limited finances, but we believe in what he does. And uh, we're not only reaping as a church family, but we're also reaping as an individual family. We're blessed um, he didn't say it this morning, but uh, he put on his book a picture of Multnomah Falls. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He put a, a picture pre-fire. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I forgot to mention that. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah, there's a reason. I, I do a lot of little things like this. I'm just kind of different. But... Uh,